Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining me and my guest Eric Kearney on how are you doing really? Uh, it's been a little while since I've recorded with a guest and just to introduce you all to him, uh, Eric is a uh, classmate from Naropa and he's been a yoga teacher since the beginning of 2021. After incorporating conscious breathing into his daily practices, he noticed a profound difference in his daily life, which led him to shifting his learning and teachings from postural yoga to breathwork. And when he's not reading about or practicing classical pranayama, he pursues breathwork certification trainings uh, to stay on the cutting edge of breathing techniques. He teaches daily morning breath work classes where he, his students continue to share their stories of better mental and physical health. By practicing what he preaches, he uses the power of the breath to increase performance during workouts, manage stress, and feel better on a daily basis. And yeah, I uh, I want to start out by by asking the uh, the question that I love to ask all of my guests, Eric. Uh, how are you doing, really? Um, is I feel like that really like really pokes you because like when people ask, oh, how are you doing? Like your knee jerk response is like, good. How are you? You know, like everyone just says that no matter whether they're good mood or a bad mood, but that really, um, I think makes me have pause and like slow down and kind of like, how am I really doing? Um, but I have to say, honestly, really good. Um, so I don't know how many weeks it's been now, but it's probably been two, three, maybe yeah, three weeks now since I've graduated from the Ropa. Um, so just having the stress of school lifted off me and, um, kind of stepping into the next chapter of my life, have a couple things on the horizon. Um, I'm going to start at the Rolf Institute in Boulder, Colorado in March. And actually in a few days, I'm about to fly out to Nicaragua for six weeks to go teach yoga and work at a uh, vegan retreat center. Um, so like things are really, really good. And I have to say that this semester was pretty tough mentally. Um, with mental health issues and the stress of like work and school and managing teaching and schoolwork and friendships and relationships and my own personal uh, relationship with myself. Um, but just in a really good spot now. So doing really good. Thank you for asking. Yeah. It, it sounds like there's been a lot of rich experience this past year for you. Um, and then also uh, just mentioning maybe some mental health stuff as well. And I think it really ties into the, the practices that you're teaching to your students. And um, yeah, I'm just, I also want to name, you know, another reason why I invited you onto the podcast today was um, I had found out that you were a veteran and I was really curious to hear about that story. That's something I'd like to come back to, but um, I wanted to name that initially. Um, and yeah, how, like, how has this past year been, um, with your experience of COVID, um, being in your final 
year of school and and you you know finally making it to that that finish line of of graduating and and now starting to embark on your your next endeavor yeah um so just to put a little pin on that the military thing i'd love to go back to that but yeah i I served five years in the united states coast guard um and that was actually how i was able to pursue the education that i got at naropa because i had served my four years of active duty I was able to get the post 9-11 um, GI Bill, which actually pays for uh, full tuition and a check for housing while you're actively in school. Um, so that opportunity, or the from my service, I was given the opportunity to pursue higher education and learning. Um, so while my military experience wasn't um, the most favorite time in my life, it um, definitely gave me the opportunity and the blessings to make my way to Naropa. Um, but this past year, it's, it's been really interesting because I was only in the two-year program um, of the yoga studies program at Naropa because I had graduated college already. So I was able to transfer in a ton of credits. Um, so I was on the two-year path instead of the four-year path. Um, and my first semester, I was full-time on the Naropa campus, like in person and in classes and on campus, like with students. And then my second semester there was like the start of COVID. Um, So like I got like kind of half or three quarters of a semester on campus. And then it went to like hybrid classes and like it moved towards the online. And then through that, like just went full time online um, because of, you know, the way social distancing and everything went. so my last year, I've been 100% online, um, even though there was hybrid classes offered this semester, I actually wound up moving to Florida in the middle of all this um, and just wanted to stay like with the sunshine and the palm trees and everything. So I wasn't too interested in going back to on campus. Um, so it's been a really interesting journey just because of taking like college level courses over zoom you know like i went to college previously it was a four i got a four-year degree in marine science and um was on campus obviously because this was back in um i graduated in 2013 the first time um so like was very used to being in school um with people like in class and now i'm just like sitting in my apartment on zoom all day for like hours on end. And that's why I like wear the blue light blocker glasses and everything. Cause like I'm adjusting to this new type of world and, um, and it's because of COVID. And, you know, when it first happened, I would say like most people, I was a bit freaked out. And like every time I left my apartment would like come back into my apartment, wash my hands, not touch any of my stuff, like would kind of do that. Um, but I've always been like a very health conscious person and like take really good care of myself, exercise, get sunshine, breathe fresh air, eat right all those things. So after a few weeks, I was like, all right, like, I don't know. I would just not, not that I wasn't believing in it. Cause obviously like there's an illness and it's affecting people, but like, I just wasn't buying into like the craziness of it, like the pandemic of it. Um, so I've pretty much really lived my life for the most part, as much as I can the same, you know, like obviously I'm like going along with mask regulations and mandates when I need to, um, but like, if it's up to me and my choice, I don't wear a mask or I'm not vaccinated and I don't plan to be. Um, so on that kind of the spectrum, I'm just really 
and and for me like i think a lot of it has to do with like being in control and i'm just like kind of not going into that so i don't know for me the the covid thing is not an issue in my life um so i've 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 led my life as i have been the past you know few years um but it has affected me still like i was you know forced to do online schooling and um yeah that's how it's affected me this past year with naropa and then like another big thing is just dealing with people who are dealing with covid or or you know really scared of the disease and the pandemic and that like a lot of my friends are really stressed out and and freaked out by it and like sit at home all day and do nothing or like oh i can't do this and i can't do this because of covid so it's just it's tough to see um like my family's super freaked out they're all vaccinated and they wear gloves and masks every time they leave the house and you know everyone is entitled to their opinion and what makes them feel safe so you know i support them in that but i know that i get like a lot of dirty looks and a lot of um comments that i don't wear a mask or i'm not vaccinated um but you know that's my choice and i feel comfortable with it and i feel healthy and safe uh, safe um i've honestly never felt better cuz i've been getting into my health a lot lately this past year with yoga and breathwork and nutrition and just doing all the things that you need to do to make yourself really healthy and strong um and then like a little another navigation through the covid thing has been teaching yoga um especially when covid first hit um like coming into a, a in a closed area and leading people through a physical practice where I'm the type of teacher that likes to get up and close and personal with their students and like have a conversation with them before and after class or even during practice give on hands hands on assist and adjustments in a in a very respectful way um and that was very um hard to navigate as a new teacher and as a as a teacher going through covid because as a new teacher it was something that i wanted to go through and explore because when i was in postural yoga classes i loved getting hands on assist and adjustments because like it let me know that the teacher was paying attention to me and it helped my practice like get to that next step that I, they helped me get in better alignment and all that so like that's the purpose why well, I want to do those things and then people are coming into classes with masks on they're like i need my space and this and that so it was hard to navigate that of like me trying to be an attentive loving teacher but also be respectful of people's little bubbles um so yeah and i so another thing with the covid that i'm actually going through now my flight is on friday and it's tuesday right now um and they're like requiring that you get a test um within 72 hours of you boarding the flight so like now i'm like not that i've been ignorant to the news or what's going on around me but like in florida things are pretty lax so like it's pretty rare to see people with a mask or even really talk about covid but like now i have to like kind of step into society and be like abide by these rules of like have to get this test done have to wear the mask when i go to the airport so like it's kind of um and i'm going with a friend and it's kind of like create a little bit of stress between us of like oh we have to schedule our test and hopefully everything comes back on time and clear so when we go to the airport friday morning we can just take off and everything's good um yeah so i mean medically it hasn't affected me too much but it's more of like the the psychological game of of like the unknown of like what's what's really going on out there and what information is good and what isn't because you can watch one news story and it says it's like the worst thing ever and another news story is like oh we'll get through this you know so i don't know it's hmm. it's it's a very interesting very weird time so strange the whole thing's so bizarre to me 
I really appreciate you just um, sharing so openly about your perspective and your experience of COVID and the choices you've decided to make for yourself. And um, I, I think something that I've been privy to throughout this whole time is, especially recently, the polarization aspect of COVID, you know, people either choosing to get vaccinated or not, and just how much that's um, kind of driven people apart. And one of the things that I mentioned in my past episode was really trying to understand where people are coming from. And I, you know, I, I just hear you making, you know, in, informed decisions that suit you and I, I know there's also the consideration of the the impact on other people, and I'm I'm curious if, and feel free to just say you, you'd rather not go into this, but um, what that experience has been like around you know your family, you know, and where they are and and where you're at and how that all works. Like, have you seen each other throughout this time? because of your your choice um and also another thing i'm curious about is like have you had anybody in your life impacted uh, directly by covid yeah that's a great question because i would say that's where i have the most tension um that obviously i have like friends and, and different you know people of my community that have differences of opinion but I would say the biggest one is where I butt heads is with my immediate family, my mom, my dad, and my brother. Um, and they're all, I'm a, from a, um, New Jersey originally, and I'm living here in Florida. So we're quite a bit a ways apart. Um, so we talk on the phone every now and then. Um, but I actually haven't been home um, in probably like a year and a half. And that has nothing to do with COVID. I've just been like moving around um, with school and work opportunities. So I've just been kind of bouncing um, from Boulder, Colorado to here, St. Pete in Florida, um, and back and forth. So I just haven't had the chance to get home. Um, but just the discussions that whenever I have with my family, it's always COVID related. And my family watches the news a lot, I would say pretty much primarily other than maybe some like light, um, TV at night of whatever they watch in the evening. Um, so they're taking in a lot of the media and the message that's out there about COVID and how um, crazy the world is and how scary it is. Um, so that's kind of like that subliminal messaging that they're getting. So that's when they talk to me, all they talk about is right now, because I'm flying that flight cancellations and, and, and um, test backups and people not getting to be able to catch their flights. And I need to get vaccinated before I get to the airport. And how am I going to leave the country? How am I going to get back in the country? And they're very scary for me. And I know it's out of a place of love and concern. Um, and, you know, since the vaccines were made available, they've been telling me to get one. And I just, for personal reasons, don't want to get one. And it's, I feel like creating a little bit of rift in our, in our family dynamic, because I feel like every time we talk now, it's almost like an argument, you know, like, it's a little bit beyond a discussion, like it's not heated, and it's not like out of malice or anger. Um, but there's just a big difference of opinion and I'm not going to budge and they're not going to stop pushing it on me. Um, but as I mentioned before, they're all vaccinated and have their boosters and wear gloves and masks when they leave the house. And, um, yeah, they're just, 
really scared for my well-being, which, you know, is coming from a place of love. But like you said, like having the difference of opinion, but being open to it, you know, like they can't even comprehend or start to understand why I don't want to get vaccinated and like those decisions that I make. Like they just think getting vaccinated is the only option. And if you don't, you're just like, I don't, I don't want to put words in people's mouth, but it's just not the thing, the smart thing to do. Um, and you know, me not getting vaccinated, I don't look on being people getting vaccinated as like just following along with the crowd. Like that's their decision and that's their choice. So like I'm open to both ends, whereas they're just kind of closed minded and they only see the one side of the spectrum. So it does create a little bit of, um, a little bit of tension between us right now. And it's, and it's sad because I don't talk to my family that often just because of my lifestyle and I'm moving around a lot and doing a lot. Um, so every couple of weeks when I do make the phone call home, it's been a little bit more tense than it normally is because of COVID. Um, yeah. yeah and I, I was thinking about that the other day that I don't know why. Oh, a friend went to go visit his mom and on his way out, he like gave her a hug and kiss goodbye. And um, I'm more friends with the mom than the son. And she was like, oh my God, my son just tested positive for COVID and I gave him a hug and a kiss goodbye. And I was thinking that like, I bet you if I went home, like my parents would like hug me and talk to me and kiss me like within their home. And I'm not a vaccinated person, but when they go out in public, they like wear the the masks and the gloves and it's like i wonder why like when it's a loved one it's okay to have those interactions but like i don't know it was just interesting to think about that like i know my parents like are scared of non-vaccinated people but if i went home they would like treat me as they've always treated me so it was just interesting to think about that like why there would be that difference of interaction um hmm. yeah what do you what is the feeling uh, beneath maybe some of what you're sharing? Um, is there any sadness? Is there any, um, yeah, I, I'm just curious, like, does it, does it make you sad that you don't necessarily get to connect with your family um, in, in the way that maybe you used to before, or if, if this has kind of been something that's happened for you recently or in, in the recent past? Yeah. Um, I'd say maybe not like a deep sadness, but there's definitely some sadness there. Um, just because like, I know we do have the ability to be close as family members, but at the same time, I've never been super close with my family. Like I'm definitely the black sheep of my family. Um, like I've always been like the weird one and especially these past couple years, like totally diverting from society of like leaving the nine to five, leaving benefits, leaving pension, leaving 401k, like all the things that you should do as a human. Like I had job security and all that stuff. Um, and I left it because I was miserable. I hated it. I did not want to live that type of life so I could get health benefits and a pension in 20 years. Um, I was I hated my life. I had no friends. I had no, any, like it was just miserable. So I left that. And so for the past two years, I've definitely been kind of just searching and seeking and I have no st stability in my life. And that's been very scary for my parents. I mean, it's been scary for me too, but they just want their son to be like 
okay. So when they when their time goes, that like they know I'm taken care of because I have income and health insurance and all that. Um, so there's always been this misunderstanding of me from my parents' side, and I don't know if it's because I'm not um, like following what I should do in a, in a Western kind of terms of um, growing up, or if that's this is not what their vision was for me, but. Ever since I started getting more into yoga and Eastern traditions and and veganism and just not super traditional American things, um, they just haven't understood me. So this COVID thing is just continuing to to make that un- misunderstanding larger and larger. Um, so over the you know past few years, that there's just been this big disconnect, and the COVID is continuing to increase that disconnect. Mm. Yeah, I as I hear you share, like I'm I'm really also just curious about like what what kind of put you on this trajectory of, you know, leaving the job you had before after getting your degree in marine sciences and and then shifting towards yoga studies at, at Naropa of, of all places and, and being from New Jersey. Yeah, I'm just I've heard other classmates share about how they came to uh, Naropa, which for listeners who who don't know uh, about Naropa University, it is based in Boulder, Colorado, and um, was founded by uh, Chogyam Chungpa Rinpoche, who um, is a Buddhist and it is not technically a Buddhist uh, university, but definitely has uh, Buddhist uh, uh, foundations in it. Yeah. So I'll try and like cover all those things. Each of those is like its own, own story. Um, But graduating from Richard Stockton college in New Jersey in 2013 um, I got a job that next year working with NOAA, the National Atmospheric and o- National Oceanographic Atmospheric Association, um, working on commercial fishing vessels. Um, so when fishermen would go out and commercially fish, um, you know, all types of fish in the sea, I would go out and do fishery, fishery observation. Um, so whenever they would pull their nets up out of the ocean and thousands and thousands of fish would land on the deck, I would help sort and measure and weigh different fish and, and lengths and weights and different things and take samples. And I mean, the basis of it was to try and create um, population trajectories. So like getting population, um, yeah, to do that. So, you know, and when I started that job, when I went to the, when, when I went to the training, um, they said the average lifespan of a fisheries observer is one year and everyone in the class like laughed and ha ha ha. And of the, like the 20 of us or 25 of us that were in the class, like only three of us made it the whole year. And I was one of them because it was a tough job, man. Like you're out at sea for a week or two weeks at a time. You never know. It could be one day. It could be two weeks. Like you pack your bag and you go on this fishing boat and you don't know when you're going to come back home and you eat what they eat. You sleep when they sleep, you work when they work. So if they're having Oreos and mac and cheese for two weeks, guess what? You're having Oreos and mac and cheese for two weeks. And some fishermen, they fish around the clock 24 hours a day for two weeks. So they'll, they'll drag their nets for two hours and that's when you sleep. And then they pull the net up and you work for two hours and then they drag the, two, the net for two hours and you do that over and over. And it's, it's exhausting. And 
being a fisheries observer in the Northeast where I was located, I was observing every state on the coastline from Maine to Virginia. Um, so there was a ton of traveling and being in the Northeast, you know, we worked year round. So I'd be in the middle of the, the ocean in January and February when it's like snowing out and 20 degrees and the ocean spray is cold and it's snowing and it's like the most bizarre sight you've ever seen, but it's tough. You're cold, you're wet. So it's a tough job. Um, so I love being out in the ocean though. You know, that was something I realized I've always, I grew up by the ocean, loved the sea, loved sea life. Um, and being out on these boats, I was like, the work was hard, but also like the amount of paperwork that you get is like this thick. You go out for a week's trip and I kid you not, like just pages and pages because every haul or when they drag the net, that's called a haul. And you have to record sea temperature, wave height, depth, time of t time of the tow, like all these super specific things because it's a government job. So they want every tiny detail. Mm -hmm. So you go out for a week at sea and your paperwork is this thick and you're doing that. It was just a lot of work. Um, and I always saw the Coast Guard boats when we were out in the middle of the sea. And when I was getting towards the end of my first year as a fisheries observer, I was like, man, I always see the Coast Guard boats out there. I love being out on the water. Like I should go do that. And then I won't have to do all this stinky fish work and the paperwork. So, um, yeah, just finished out my years being a fisheries observer, um, got into the Coast Guard, went through boot camp, and, um, yeah, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do as a job within the Coast Guard, had a couple ideas. Um, and one of the first things I pursued was trying to be one of the helicopter rescue swimmers, the, one of the guys that, you know, jumps out of the helicopter into the ocean to go to a sinking vessel or drowning people in the middle of the ocean, pick them up and save them. Um, and that just didn't work out for me. And, um, through that experience got steered away from the boat side of the coast guard thing and pulled into the aviation side. Um, just because I heard the aviation side of things was which much more chill, more, more fulfilling, that type of thing, a little bit less hard without not being out on the boat all the time and, you know, just kind of flying around. So, um, yeah, went to the aviation side of the coast guard, um, was working on the C one thirties, the big cargo planes. Um, and just, it was not, um, what I thought it was going to be. And I knew I was getting into the military, so it's not like I'm completely dumb, but like the amount of like lack of freedom that you have, like you're just told what to wear, how to talk, how to act, how to dress, like even like on your weekends, like you were kind of restricted in what you could and couldn't do. And like when you wanted to take vacation with the days that you had earned throughout the year, like it was a process that you had to put in tons of paperwork and get all your supervisors to sign it and approve it and do all this thing. And if you wanted to travel outside the United States, you had to take training. Like I remember one year I wanted to go to um, Quebec to go to Mount Tremblant to go on a snowboarding trip with some friends. And I took like a four hour training because it was like, since I was government property and I was going to another country that like they wanted to make sure that I was trained in case I got captured by someone like it was a four-hour training of like what to do if you become a pow and i was like i'm going to canada to go snowboarding like it was just i don't know so like little insane things like that and um also just seeing a lot of people just not being happy with their life like you could tell they were in the military to get the pension to get the health benefits and then retire after 20 years and like there's nothing wrong with that but it just wasn't for me I don't have a wife. I don't have a kids. I'm not trying to provide for anyone. So like 
doing that grind for 20 years and like I just wasn't happy already. So to do another 15, I was like, I don't want to wind up like one of these old, miserable, salty guys because that's how most of the older guys in the Coast Guard were. They just weren't happy. And um, I just felt like I didn't want to wait 20 years to start living my life. Like I'm young, I'm in my prime now. Like I don't want to wait 20 years and then, you know, be hurt or injured or wait 20 years to start living my life. Um, so it was just, you know, like a wake up call and it, you know, I had thought about it for a few years being in the Coast Guard, you know, always wanting to get out and people are always like, no, stay in, stay in, you know, just do your 20, get the, get the pension. Then, you know, and I forget with the exact like moment, like I do remember that night when I made the decision, like I'm finally getting out, but like, I forget like why I not for so many times. And then the final time I just like was, this was it, but I made the decision to like get out. So, you know, I didn't reenlist. Um, and yeah, like I think it was either like two or three years into the Coast Guard that I had found yoga. And it was through a friend actually that, um, he's like really into fitness. And he was like, dude, I just started going to yoga. You should come with me. And I was like, no, no, no. Cause like in my head, like yoga was just like stretching or just like something that guys don't do. Um, and then one time, like he just got me to go. And then I remember I was like, that was the shit. <laughs> like that was really fun. Um, because I've always been interested in exercise and movement, like working out all the time. Like I was always into calisthenics, so body weight stuff. So I was never into the weights anyways. Um, and you can only do push-ups and pull-ups and body squats so many times. Um, so yoga was this really awesome way to like move my body in a strong and powerful way um, and have fun and like just do weird things with your body, which I always enjoyed. Um, so I yeah, definitely found the postural practice first and um, just did it as a workout when I, you know, my, the next couple of years, because I, I love the exercise of it and the, the mental challenge of it. Um, and like, as with most people over time, it like became more than just the posture. Like I really got into the meditation, you know, at the end of class, Shavasana, final resting pose. Like I started to really love that where my friend who got me into it, he's like, I hate that part. I just want to get up and leave. Like, cause he's, his brain just goes and goes, but this just goes to show he needs the meditation more. But I really enjoyed that. Not because I got to lay down and do nothing, but because like that was my first introduction to like meditation before I even knew what meditation was. And just got super into the meditation side of it. And then it became like a spiritual practice for me. And, you know, I was, I was, um, I was raised Roman Catholic. So super like Christian, like went to Sunday church and Sunday school every Sunday up until, you know, I got my first, you know, um, confirmation and all that and first communion and do all those things. But as soon as I got confirmed, it was kind of like my choice and my parents were like, it's up to you. And I was like, I'm not going to church anymore. I just was never into it because I just wasn't into religion. Um, but through like yoga, I found like spirituality, you know, um, just kind of believing in energy and whatever I wanted to believe in, just like a higher power, just something out there, like something bigger than myself. Um, but it wasn't super organized and you had to be a certain way and fit into this box. Um, so you just fell into the spirituality side of things with the yoga and it like slowly just made improvements in my life with strength and flexibility and my, and my mental health. Um, and just like the more I did yoga, the better I felt. So it was this combination of like getting out of the coast guard 
and like yoga really becoming one of my main practices that like when I got out of the Coast Guard, I was like, well, now what? And I was like thinking all these different things, like what job could I get? What will be safe and stable? But then I was like, no, that's why I want to get out of the Coast Guard. So I just like landed on like, let me just try something and do something that I really want to do. And I was like, some of my friends are yoga teachers and that's their full-time job. I was like, why don't I just do that? Um, so I started to like look around for like yoga teacher trainings and all these different things to try and become a yoga teacher. And I knew I had my, um, my veterans benefits so they would pay for school. And I just like Googled, I forget the exact term I Googled, but I just Googled like yoga degree or yoga something. And Naropa was the first link, like the very first one. Um, cause I was like, Oh, if I can use my benefits to pay for school, why don't I try? So like I Googled that and Naropa was the first one and I clicked on it and it just like, it was just like perfect alignment. It was just, you know, talking about the yoga study to degree and, and how it was broken down into not only the postural practice, but like the history, the theory, the philosophy. And that's what I wanted. Like I wanted to be a yoga teacher that like walked the walk and like knew what he was talking about and not just like, all right, warrior one, warrior two. Okay. Bye. Have a great day. Like I wanted to know what was going on within the mind and the body. Um, and then just having that opportunity to use my veterans benefits to pay for school. That's how I wound up at Naropa. And, um, yeah, so that's that story. <laughs> it's quite the journey. Um, yeah. and, and just hearing how, you know, you kind of make your decisions based on, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's something that when you see or feel something, you feel drawn towards that and you let that guide you in, mm -hmm. into what you're doing. And I don't know if it's your heart, if it's something spiritual, if it's something just bigger um, that, that you connect to, but it seems like it's, it's really been finding a way of you finding your own path that's maybe not uh, kind of stuck in uh, a pattern or a way of doing things that our, our culture is kind of placed on us. Yeah. And I think that's like a huge thing that like I just am a huge proponent of. And I know like I have the, the real blessing that like um, my school is being paid for, but like I want to encourage people to like take that leap, man. Like if you're not happy in your full-time job, do something else. Like just leave it. It like, it's scary. Like I have financial issues and struggles and all this thing still. Um, and I don't know where I'm going or where I'm headed with everything, but like, I'm actually happy, you know, like it's not about the money or the job or like those types of things that make us human. Like it's more about like this journey and this experience. And like, I've left financial stability but I've gained like true happiness with deep down in myself, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it was a, a great trade off. And, and I think we are in like a projected way and it's so easy to follow. And like, I, if I hadn't had this wake up or whatever those signs were, if I wasn't listening or whatever, like I'd still be in the coast guard doing my thing and, you know, be somewhat happy. I don't know. I, who knows? But there's also like those higher powers of like those perfect like alignments and synchronicities that like when I went to the school to work on the C-130s, like it was a six month um, training and 
every day there was a test or, or a quiz or some sort of project that you were graded on or tested on. And um, the reason they did that, because at the end of the school, the picks where you go to, where you get stationed at after the school are based off class, class rank. Um, and there's 20 kids in a class. And so they, you're numbered one through 20. And, you know, obviously everyone wants a different pick and some picks are more desirable than others, you know, because some of the picks are Hawaii and some of the picks are Alaska. And depending on what type of person you are, um, and, you know, obviously everyone wants the Hawaii picks and that was me too. So I went to the school and I knew Hawaii was a station that was an option for me. And I was like, nothing and no one is going to stop me from going to Hawaii. So every day I studied my ass off, I did the work and I was number one in my class. And usually the top three or five are within 0.10 in the 10th place of a grade point average, like 99.8, 99.9, 99.7. Like ours was to the hundredth, um, the top three. And I was actually like a point above everyone. Cause like I fucking did work. I bust my ass. Cause I was like, I'm not losing this pick. And then the day the picks come out and I'm like, I'm number one, I'm going to Hawaii. This is going to be great. I'm super excited. And there was no Hawaii picks. And I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me because the class before us had two and the class after us had five. So like my class just wound up, had no Hawaii picks, but I wound up picking Clearwater, Florida and was stationed in Florida for two years and uh, was just practicing here in Florida and was going to this one yoga studio and had an amazing teacher. And, um, you know, it was during that time that I got really into my practice. And it was also the time where I left the Coast Guard and then went to Naropa. But during my last winter break of last year, I reached out to this one amazing yoga teacher. Um, and I was like, hey, I'd love to do a private teacher training because I'm going to this program at Naropa. And it's not quite hitting all the marks that I wanted it to hit. I, it just seemed like the education is super complete, but I just was looking for more. Um, that's just the type of person that I am. I'm always looking for more information, more knowledge, more skills. And um, she agreed to do it. And I was like, hey, it's got to be super short because it's just during my winter break. And um, through those couple of weeks, like it went really well. She taught me so much, like changed my life in those those short weeks. And at the end of it, she was like, hey, do you want a job? I just opened up a studio and I took that job. And that's why I moved to Florida at the beginning of this year. And I've been teaching there ever since. Um, and since then, like I have found pranayama and breath work and, and sound healing and all these amazing things. And like the point of the story was like, if I had gotten Hawaii, like I'd be still in the Coast Guard probably, you know, but like, because I didn't get Hawaii, I found this amazing teacher in Florida. And now I'm living in Florida, working at her studio, like learning and practicing under her wing. And she's this amazing, amazing healer. And I'm learning so much from her. And like, my life has changed drastically. And it's like that little perfection, that little synchronicity of like, I was so pissed, there was no Hawaii. But now like, I'm almost grateful, you know, like, or I am grateful, you know, because it's like, yeah, it just changed the, the whole trajectory of my life. Yeah, it it, it sounds sounds like you really um, show up in a way where you put your whole self into whatever you're doing, and to have that experience of you know getting to the top of your class and and that a day of hoping to get Hawaii. <laughs> I imagine your heart just like dropped a bit. Yeah, like. It was crazy, but 
because they like they wrote all the names and there it was like they wrote the 19th place and then 20 i was like all right there's going to be at least one hawaii pick and they wrote i forget what it was but it was like alabama or something i don't know but i was just like no hawaii and everyone <laughs> looked at me because they knew i was number one and like the whole class was looking at me and i was just like well i don't i don't know yeah yeah with with the ocean, what is it um, about the ocean that you feel so connected to? I'm, I'm always curious because I have a deep uh, respect and appreciation for it, but I also have a huge fear of the ocean. Man, I feel the same way because I have witnessed the power of the ocean probably more than other people have seen being raised at at the beach and also working on these these fishing vessels and like that was when i really was like holy shit because i remember one trip we were out and it was in the middle of the winter and the seas like i kid you not like when you watch those like youtube videos of the big tanker ships and they're just going over these massive like 25 30 foot swells and it's just like unbelievably scary but you're on this 100 foot fishing vessel and you're just going boom and like for a couple days and i just remember being out on deck one night and it's the middle of the night pitch black 30 foot seas like raining and i was just like if i go overboard i'm gone like they'll never find me and it was just like the scariest fucking thing and like i'll never forget that moment but yeah even just growing up at the ocean and and in new jersey we get hurricane season pretty bad in the fall so seeing the seas really turn up and destroy the beaches and homes and and properties and, and my hometown and stuff like that and um yeah it's just it's a powerful thing so mad respect for it but i also love it because it's just so healing um and i and i use that word because of where i am in my life and before that, it was always just like a fun place to be because like I grew up and I would play in the water all day. Like I would bodyboard, you know, boogie board or, or body surf or just splash in the waves like in the shore break and just get rolled around all day. And like I would, even from when I was a little kid, like I just remember like when my family went to the beach, I was in the water the whole time. Like I didn't come out and get dry or eat my sandy sandwich. Like I just played in the water the whole time. I've just always been drawn to it. And as I've gotten older, just created like a super deep relationship with it that like, I like I, it's hard to explain, like just being out in the water is one thing. Um, like I love to surf. So like you can just paddle out and be by yourself. Like it's not like a team sport where you have to rely on other people to, you know, go with you and do it. So you can paddle out and be in isolation and just be out there and you just like bob and you just like feel it. And it's like the best meditation practice because you don't have to force it. Like when you're just sitting out there, there are no thoughts. Like you're not worried about work or school or you're hungry or like you're just so present. Mm -hmm. And like the only thing you might be thinking about is like the next wave and you're just looking at the horizon waiting for those lines to come in so you can position yourself. But you're really not like thinking. You're just super present and like you're also just totally submerged in nature. Like literally and, you know, metaphorically. Mm -hmm. And then like when the wave comes and you're on the wave, you're just playing with nature. Like you're on a piece of moving water and it's the fucking craziest thing ever. <laughs> like it's just so fun. So for me, it's always just been like fun playing in the ocean. But as I've gotten older and like more adult-like and had like 
adult things to do that like when I get away from the ocean for a while, like my mind is just like stressed out or scrambled or whatever. And then as soon as I jump in, it's just like washed clean. And it's just like, <sighs> like it's better than like a shower at the end of the day. You know, it's just a total, just like wipe the slate clean that salt water. There's just something about it. Like, and I know there's tons of research with the ions and, and, and salt water and all the different things. And I don't want to get too much into it, but like just on a, an energetic thing like it's just a really healing place and yeah i'm so grateful that i have grown up at the ocean and it has been a huge part of my life and you know it was really weird moving out to boulder colorado that like that was like the most inland i'd ever lived and like the first couple weeks i was like freaking out because i was like even if I don't go in the ocean, like I'll ride my bike because I grew up three blocks from the ocean. So I'd ride my bike at least two, three, if not more times a day just to check the ocean, just to look at it, see what the tide is doing, see what the waves are doing, how the wind is blowing. You know, like just looking at it is really therapeutic for me, like watching storms and, and the wave court forecast, like I'm on the wave forecasting sites like two or three times a day, watching the wave heights and the periods and the swells and everything. And it's just something I love to do. I'm just obsessed with it. So being in Boulder, Colorado, like I kind of like wigged out the first couple of weeks I was there because like I didn't I didn't know what to do. I didn't like I didn't know what to do with myself because I always surfed or at least checked the ocean. Like the most water you guys have there are like rivers or creeks or whatever. And it just wasn't enough. And there's also just like a huge energetic shift. Like I remember driving out there and like the first time I forget where I was like driving out of, but like I came over this, like I was driving to the middle of America over this one plane and like finally saw the Rocky mountains because I drove from New Jersey to um, Boulder the first time, my first semester going to Naropa and I was driving, it was like 36 hour drive. It was crazy. Um, and I did it straight cause I'm a fucking psycho. I didn't like stop or sleep or anything, but I remember seeing the Rockies for the first time and I was like, Whoa, that's, like they just took up the whole sky and I was so far, but they were still so huge. And it was just so weird to see. And like the closer I got, like the more this energetic shift was happening. And then I was like finally parked and in Boulder and I was like walking around and I was like, it just feels different. Like I couldn't explain it or put my finger on it. I was like, it just feels different. And then after a while of like getting into hiking and camping and getting into rock climbing, like, spending some time in the mountains, I realized that's what it was. I was like, oh, that feel, it's the mountains. And then like, I went back home that summer and I was like, oh, like the ocean and the mountains are like two totally different things. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're vibes, that energy that are in there, just in the area. They're just totally different. Um, so there's just something about being close to huge bodies of water that is just very soothing and calming for me and having like a lot of humidity in the air. So it's very dense and heavy and having that salt air smell in the air um, is just very therapeutic to me. So, yeah. Yeah. I imagine like being near the ocean, there's maybe more of a fluidity in, in the energy and, and then in the mountains, just a little more of like a solid kind of groundedness. At least yeah. that's my experience. Of Same. Um, yeah. And I think that's why I'm like an easygoing, chill person, as I like to describe myself, is like I grew up around the ocean, so I have that fluidity in my body. But like that was another word I used to describe the mountains was like I just feel like they hold space. So like when you go for a hike and you have shit on your mind, that like the mountains just hold space for you. You know, like it's very 
like they're just there for you. So yeah, I totally, <laughs> I totally get that. You, um, you feeling ready to make the move back to Boulder or is there a little bit of trepidation leaving Florida? <laughs> Mixed feelings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mixed feelings. Um, I'm super excited because of the opportunity. So I'm going to the Rolf Institute to become a certified Rolfer. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to get back into the mountains because when I moved to Boulder the first time, I discovered rock climbing and have been obsessed with it. And I'm so fortunate that St. Pete has a rock climbing gym. So I've actually been able to rock climb while I've been here. Um, but that's one thing I've continued to do um, is rock climb. So I'm excited to like get back out into like some real rock and do some outdoor lead climbing and all that type of thing and camping and adventuring on the weekends when I'm not in class. Um, and also just like reconnect with some of the friends and classmates that I made while I was at Naropa for that short time um, because I did become close with some very um, special people in my life um, who introduced me into climbing and who have pointed me towards rolfing um, and that type of thing. And I do, I do like it out there. I do like the mountains. I just would never live long-term in the mountains. So like the Rolf Institute is like a, an eight-month program. So I know it's temporary. So yeah, looking forward to it in that way, not looking forward to being away from the ocean, being in the snowy coldness for the first couple months. Um, so yeah, mixed. At least you, you get to go to Nicaragua for uh, a little bit before you. you make yeah, the... and the kind of funny thing is, so before Nicaragua was happening, I thought I was going to go to the Rolf Institute in January, and then plans shifted, and they, they pushed back the class till March. Um, so I thought I would actually be in, in Boulder now um, and living in, in Florida. I'm such a Florida boy that like when it gets below 80 degrees, I'm like, it's freezing. Like even today it's in the low seventies and I have a hoodie on because I'm, I think it's freezing out. And I was like, man, like I'm not going to do well going from Florida to Boulder, Colorado, where it's like actually cold and there's snow on the ground. So I started doing ice baths to like give myself cold exposure so when I got to Colorado, I'd be like, all right, like I got this. And now I'm going to Nicaragua for six weeks. So I've been doing ice baths for the past month to get myself ready for Colorado. And now I'm going to Nicaragua <laughs> for six weeks. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, like, again, like one of those perfect little alignments, because now I've discovered the power of ice baths and like that therapy, um, because I've always hated the cold even though I grew up in New Jersey and like, I think that's why I hate the cold because I grew up in New Jersey and we have bad winters and like, it's just snowy and cold and I've always hated it. Um, so I've never bought into the whole ice bath therapy thing. Um, but it was like, Hey, I gotta, I just want to try it, get myself ready for Colorado. And I have found over the past couple weeks that ice baths are like this, I don't want to call it life changing, but like super impactful thing. Like they've been great for me. They have, helped with my inflammation in my body physically with my mental toughness of like facing this, this, this confrontation, this discomfort every day, doing something I don't want to do, challenging myself, sitting with the discomfort. Um, and I know there's a ton of science behind it that it releases all these different, you know, hormones and everything. But like, for me, it's just getting used to facing confrontation and sitting with confrontation and again, the ice bath just brings you super, super present because when you're in the water, there's nothing to think about other than just control your breath. 
like you're not thinking like this sucks i'm cold i mean those thoughts come up but it's not like i have to go to work later i have to go to school later like it's just like you're in the ice and you just sit and you just breathe and it just makes you super super present um but then the, the after effects are so great, you know, like you can do a yoga class or a hot yoga class, or whatever, and you'll feel great for a couple hours. But like ice baths, I do them first thing in the morning and then all day I'm on just this, this super high. And it's, it's been a really great practice that I've added to my many practices. So again, <laughs> didn't have to do the ice baths because I'm going to Nicaragua, but like now discovered it and I'm like telling everybody about it because it just, it's awesome. Yeah, and I imagine your studying of like pranayama breath work really pairs well with the ice baths. Yeah, and and there's definitely like someone leading the way with this, like Wim Hof, the Iceman. He has like a breathing protocol, and I definitely started out following that because a friend, you know, introduced me to my first ice bath and like helped me walk me through it, the whole breathing before, during, and after. but yeah, using the knowledge and skill set that I have with my pranayama and breathwork practice have like tweaked it to me. Um, and I think that's like the key to not only ice bath, but to like any practice or anything that you do in life, it always comes back to the breath. You know, like in any situation, if you can start to learn to control your breath, it starts to, you can start to control your mind and your body as well. So, you know, I've taken a huge deep dive into pranayama this year um, because of the teacher that I was working with last December during my private teacher training, you know, like it was funny. I went to her and I was like, I want to work on power flows and, and vinyasa and this, you know, hardcore yoga. And by the end of the training, I was like, I want to do yin and hatha. And then a couple months after that, it was like, all right, now I'm into uh, meditation and Reiki. And like, now I've found like the breath, you know, it's like, it's just so funny that I went there for like hardcore power yoga. And now I'm like the most like chill meditation, breath work, little yogi ever. Um, but yeah, I just went to um, a breath work workshop and it was two hours of hyperventilation, breathing in and out through the mouth. Um, obviously with the highs and lows, not two hours straight of that, but just like mind blowing, like experienced and felt things I had never felt or experienced before and totally changed my life from like wanting to follow the postural side of yoga and get into breathwork and pranayama and have taken like three or four trainings this past year um, and certifications and everything to like continue to learn more because every time I dive like back into the pranayama practice, like it blows my mind again. And like, it's just crazy. So like if, if you have any interest or thoughts or have never even thought about it and just want to try something new, if you can go to a, a, you know, one of your local yoga studios. And if there's an, a breathwork workshop or, or a class, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and if not, you can also check out my breath teacher, um, Danny May. She's um, created a, a company of her own. And that's like her mission in life is to spread like health, happiness and healing through the power of breath. Um, so if you want to check out breathguidance.com, I'll plug her for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've been teaching under her. And um, yeah, I, I was teaching a breathwork class Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. to like start your day with breathwork. Um, and now that like I'm leaving the studio, she's coming back in. So she's teaching and she's recording uh, the class daily. So if you go to breathguidance.com, you can check out a daily practice. Um, and I think there's a membership with that. Um, but I know she has a couple of YouTube videos up now of just like an hour breathwork practice um, at breathguidance.com 
if you just uh, YouTube that, there's a bunch of videos. But yeah, definitely recommend that to anyone if you're dealing with any kind of like stress, anxiety, like the breath is the key to all that. So I'll definitely plug that into the show notes for listeners. Yeah, yeah. Because that has changed my life and I just can't like talk highly enough about her and talk highly enough about her. She's an amazing, amazing teacher. So yeah, it sounds like she's really impacted you on multiple levels. And I think about um, this experience of breath work because I've done some holotropic breath work and, and other forms and it, it really can lead to this like altered state. And you, you mentioned kind of having these mind blowing experiences. And I'm just curious if there's one that you might want to share about and what that experience was like for you and how you've integrated that into your life. Yeah. Um, I think it, it all goes back to that first one. Um, that first, um, breathwork breakthrough workshop I went to, it was Danny's, um, my teacher, I was just speaking about um and it was in that thing and I had never really I had done like a little bit of pranayam going through naropa um so it's some very mild stuff learning about it and a couple practices but nothing super intense um because of the curriculum and whatnot so that was my first like real introduction to like a, a pretty substantial practice and um yeah just the breath it just shows you exactly where you need to go. Not necessarily where you want to go, but where you need to go. It just starts to like peel back the layers. So if you have like physical, like manifestations of trauma within your body, tightnesses or just energy blocks or something, or even mental, emotional, spiritual, like whatever the thing is, the breath will bring you there. And it just starts to peel back the layers and it opens you up to it. So you can see it and feel it, experience it and work through it. And if you can't work through it, at least like it's brought up into your consciousness. So you can be like, okay, that's something I need to work on. Um, and I mean, I could probably even bring it up or grab my journal really quick. Um, but I just like, I could share the journal that I had after that, that, that workshop yeah, because yeah. um yeah let me grab it real quick yeah no problem yeah so it just brought up like so many things and it was just breathing um and this is when i i first was i was going through my private teacher training with danny at the time um so i was like learning to become like a yoga teacher in the studio and i was learning I was like transitioning out of the military and into like civilization again. And that was like another big thing for me that I noticed like when I went to Naropa and I was in a room of like normal people or, or, or civilians. Um, and then like, that was weird. I had very weird social interactions because I was like just getting out of the military and I was very, very like robot military person. And then Naropa being Naropa, like, you are in a very intimate close class setting where like you're sitting right next to the people. And most of the time, then you're broken down into smaller groups of two or three or four, or sometimes just you and one other person. And it was like so hard for me to like have that one-on-one interaction because I was so used to like looking down at people like when crossing paths or just not creating a close human interaction being in the military. It's just like very, like there was not that humanness. It was just like, you're a person, I'm a person, let's get the job done, then go home, that's it. Mm-hmm. So like going to Naropa, like being down broken to pairs, like I couldn't even have eye contact with another person. Like it was so uncomfortable for me. And it was just years of like 
being a certain way and then yeah just totally different environment so dealing with a lot of different personal issues trying to become a normal human being or, or civilian or whatever you want to call it again after being in the military um so the breath work had just brought up so many different things and i like was brought to tears in the middle of it because i just had so much like pain and shame and trauma in my heart from different things but a couple of the journaling points that i that i wrote down that had come up for me after this workshop was letting go of self-doubt bringing in self-confidence i want friendship and I am a yogi, and I define that as someone who is on the road of self-improvement and living a life of purity. Not trying to be a perfectionist, I want to devote my life to purity, self-improvement, and being a yogi, and I am lost, and that's okay. And this is like some of those points that had just come up to me, and like those may be like very brief, but like during that two-hour period, like I got to like look at those and like feel those and work through those and like I laughed and I cried and I screamed during this event and like those were like the big points so just like you know the breath just peeled up all those different layers and I would never had ever thought of those on my own but it was just like all that self-doubt and lack of self-confidence but like the breath was like you have those so like let's start to work on that and over this past year um, I definitely say I've had like a night and day difference between who I was a year ago and who I am now um, on introspection reflection and some of my people that have been with me since my first class last january they're like you have and it, it's been a word even people who haven't seen me as a yoga teacher just some of my social circle it's been weird like telling them that i'm leaving to go on this trip and then to boulder colorado it's been like a word that has been used to describe me as me having confidence and never I'm 31 years old and never have I had the thought that I, that I was like, I'm a confident person, but like at least four or five people within the past two weeks have like called me a confident person. Um, so that was like, how, how does that feel? It feels fucking awesome <laughs> because then it gives me like, it gives me confidence that like people see that in me. It's like, Oh, I do have confidence or I should have confidence in myself, you know? Mm. So maybe, a a little bit of a shift in, in the belief around not having confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I think if like a year ago, someone was like, Oh, you're confident. I'd be like, I'm not confident. But now it's like, yeah, I'm confident. I know what I'm doing. Like I know what's going on, <laughs> but not even like no, no, what's going on. But like, I'm confident in myself, you know, like mm -hmm. I like who I am. I know I'm a little bit weird. I know I'm a little bit different, but like, that's okay. Like that's me. And that's who I want to be, you know, like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to fit everyone's mold of liking and, and that's totally fine. Like it's up for other people to accept me. Like I accept me and I radically accept everybody else for who they are because that's how I feel about myself. Like I just accept people for who they are because sometimes you can't help it. Like it's just the way people are and everyone's so different. And I think that's what makes everyone like special and unique. Cause like we all have those weird quirky qualities that like, some people are going to be annoyed by it and some people are going to be super stoked on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I really am just appreciating you, you sharing so openly about your experiences up until this point and just your, your perspective on life. And I, um, I want to ask you one more question before we kind of bring things to a close. And it's from uh, a card game by Esther Perel. I'm not sure if you're familiar not with familiar. her. Um, she is pretty big in the psychotherapy realm, 
specifically around sex and intimacy, but lots of other things as well. And she created this game, you know, to initiate more connection between people. Um, and I think you kind of alluded to your experience at Naropa, you know, not being able to make eye contact with people and coming from this kind of more rigid space of being in the military and then being into this really intimate space with others and kind of working through that and, and overcoming maybe some of those challenges. But yeah, I drew four different cards and this one is kind of speaking to me. So I'm going to ask you this question. I wish I would have spoken up when dot, dot, dot. So you go ahead and fill in the blank. <laughs> Man, that's tough. Yeah. No, take, take a moment. I'd like, I have, I have so many that I yeah. like, but some of them are like, more personal than others um and it could be something from from your past it doesn't have to be necessarily recent and yeah. no pressure for it to be this big profound answer no, I'm not, I, yeah i'm just trying to like hit on a good one um <laughs> i don't know and there's three other questions that i can pull from so yeah do another one let me just okay. let me just hear another one okay um I'll never forget being bullied by. That happened a lot in high school. I was bullied a lot. Um, but I think, you know, like, I mean, this isn't answering the question, but just to go on that, like I was picked on and bullied a lot in high school because I've always been like a skinny, scrawny kid. Um, and I think that's why I had so much trouble speaking up and, and standing in my confidence. Um, but like now I'm, I'm stepping into my power and who I am, like, especially these past few months. Um, so like, it's kind of funny though, the way life and your experiences shape you. Um, but yeah, I just, I wish I would have spoken up just sooner because the more that I've like, I've always been like also shy and timid and even like, quiet regardless of like the bullying or whatnot just of who I am but I've noticed like this past year trying to um create and cultivate more intimate and close relationships like I share more about myself without like worry of fear or judgment and I've noticed like people like me and they accept me you know so like I was always so scared of like sharing or or talking because I for whatever reasons of being, you know, either shy or scared or whatever. Um, but the more I share my story and the more open and vulnerable I am, the more I'm liked. So I wish I had just started to speak up sooner, like in general, um, that I wish I hadn't waited this many years or this many experiences to start to like be who I am. Mm. So yeah, I just, I wish I spoke up sooner and my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Using your voice. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems just really apparent to me in, in getting to interact with you in this podcast, just how much there there is that you want to share, you know, and yeah. I'm really appreciating you coming on and, and sharing about your, your life experience, and I'm excited for you to go to the Rolf Institute. Um, <laughs> I have a friend who went and, and loved it, and yeah, just um, 
wanted to leave space if there's anything else you wanted to plug. I don't know if the retreat in Nicaragua is something you wanted to plug or not. No worries or anything else you have going on. Uh, just again, I'm going to plug breath guidance, um, breathguidance.com and breathercommunity.com. Breather Community is an online platform to the style of class that Danny teaches in person. It's, um, it's like an hour class and it's, it's half hour of breath work and half hour of group discussion. And Danny always brings a topic and we go around the circle and share and you could choose not to, or, or can, and, um, on topic or off topic or get something off your chest. And it's really just an awesome place. So she's created an online platform for breather community to just share, um, what's going on in your life. If you need support and, you know, kind of breath centric things, but also there's like a mental health depression accountability spot, um, there for any people struggling or want to offer support, but definitely checking out breath guidance, um, dot com for, for breath related, um, questions or trainings because like, that has been of all the lessons that I've learned this year, like the breath and the power of the breath has been the biggest impact on me. So yeah, definitely check that out. Sweet. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes and just want to say thank you again for being a guest and yeah, I'm excited to hear more about your adventures. Yeah. Maybe when I get back from Nicaragua, we'll, we'll schedule another one. Um, before I head up to the Rolf Institute or, or maybe after the Rolf Institute, we'll do another check-in, but yeah, thanks for having me on. I've never done a podcast like this before. So this was a new platform for me. So it was kind of cool to like get on word vomit. Cause that's what I've been like to do lately um, <laughs> and just share myself and share my experience. It's been a, a blast. So thank yeah, you. And, and using more of your, your voice. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to How Are You Doing Really? If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, you can find the various platforms on my website, as well as additional information about me and the work that I do in this world at samsebastian.com. That's S-A-M-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N.com. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review on whichever platform you listen to us on. I want to give a special shout out to Dominique Ferraton for helping with the production of this podcast. Additionally, to Nico Holloman for creating the music. If any of you are interested in being a guest on the show, you can reach out to me directly at sam at samsebastian.com. May you all be well. May you be loved. May you be at ease. Until next time.